Are you sitting quite comfortably? Then I'll begin. Hey kids, comics! Comic books. An art form early alive. We can rebuild them. We have the technology. With digital downloads and bookstore penetration, which sounds a bit rude, we can make them better than they were before. Better, stronger, faster. And here are your hosts, Andrew and Michael Leyland. Hello, everybody. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the show. We've not seen Ant-Man. We've not. <laughs> so we can't talk about Ant-Man. <laughs> yeah. This is the price we have to pay for seeing the both Avengers movies first. Yay! I think everyone got Ant-Man simultaneously, didn't they? Did we? I think so. I right. think everyone got Ant-Man first. But we were busy. We were. We were away on holiday. We were busy not being busy. We were busy not being... Well, we were slightly busy. A little bit. On holiday. Mm-hmm. I was teaching how to play squash. You were. It was jolly good fun. Mm-hmm. Oh, I thought it was. So as, as that goes along, we can't actually talk about Ant-Man because we had seen it. We've not. Maybe we'll see it next week after we've been on Scrubber Tuesday. <laughs> when it's much cheaper. Yep. Because <laughs> they don't do Orange Wednesday anymore. So I don't think Scrubber Tuesday is its official name, do you? It's it's what it's been unofficially. <laughs> is that what it's, it's been unofficially designated? Yeah, Scrubber yeah. Tuesday. Yeah. <laughs> Ew, gee, nine ninety nine for a ticket or three fifty for a ticket? I'll be a Scrubber. Yeah, thank you very much. You learn a few things growing up, Paul. You do. <laughs> to sit on the sidewalk with a cap in hand yeah, going yeah. please governor I've, I've, I'm pretty can great can you spare at, a penny I'm pretty good at shining shoes I am <laughs> shoe shine yeah. shoe shine his eyes and shoe shine and his own blood on his arms and his own me and how many people get that I don't know you know you got it lad didn't you did I first blood oh I've just ruined it uh, yeah you are <laughs> Anyway, should we do an email? Okie doke. Alright, we'll do some emails before we launch into the show. Chris Franklin has emailed in, posting about post-crisis. Hello, Leyland. Hello, Christopher! I just waved at it. You did? Like he went past in a car, and I went, bye! Like that. And he just just ignored me. Mm -hmm. Damn you, Franklin! I like how you have to tell them that you're waving. Well, it's it's not a visual medium. It's not. So they don't believe me when I say that I actually wave at Chris every Why week. Why would no one believe you? I totally wave at Chris every week, don't I? You do. <laughs> I don't know whether that's sweet or sad. Bit of both. Chris begins, the post-crisis era was certainly an exciting time. The loss of my beloved Earth 2 didn't bother 11-year-old me like you would imagine, or my adult self would imagine now. The promise of a new, exciting take on my favourite characters fully bowled me over, so in that regard, the crisis was working, and definitely worth it, at least at this point. I really dug the Man of Steel mini, so I was fully on board for Byrne's take on Superman. I was puzzled by the non-iconic covers on the new Superman and action comics, though. The action issue could easily have been a DC Comics Prevent inventory story from a year or two earlier. It's not bad, but it's a pretty weak start. Overall, I like the action team-up stories as they gave Byrne a chance to explore the DCU through Superman, and I was sorry to see them go for the Action Comics weekly experiment. Batman issue 408, ugh, 
After the heights of year one, this was, to me, the pits. Aside from the schizophrenic nature of the story, going from grit to camp and back again, the biggest gripe was the utter dismissal of Dick Grayson as Robin. It seems the Bruce-Dick split is somewhat amicable here, but when Dick finally reappeared in Batman issue 416 and meets this new version of Jason, new writer Jim Sterling portrays a rather bitter, angry young man. And who can blame him? Batman fires a kid he raised as a son, a kid trained from birth to do death-defying feats, and just a short time later brings in some street punk with absolutely no training to replace him. And yes, it totally craps on that wonderful issue of New Teen Titans and the follow-up in Batman, where Dick walks in with his costume, hands it to Jason, shakes hands with Bruce, and walks out onto the streets. And we covered that issue of Teen Titans, didn't we? Where we did um, Happy Birthday Dick, where we were very, very restrained in our dick gags. We were. (laughs) At no point did I think we say, say, I want more dick. We didn't. We craved dick. Yeah, we did. Give me dick. We did a coverage of long dick. I mean, a long coverage (laughs) of dick. I think we just did enough for those to make up for it. Hey, we're coming on the end. Let it all out. (laughs) Dick. Jason's original pre-crisis origin continues. Chris was purposely intended to mimic Dick's. Conway was basically recreating the cycle of Golden Age Batman stories for a modern audience. The Monk, the Dirigible of Death, Doctor Death, etc. I can understand Denny and Neil and company wanting to give Jason his own identity, but this story is ill-conceived at best. Colin's Batman run was a wreck from the get-go, and gave us a Jason that was all but unlikable. Stalin, who didn't like the concept of Robin to begin with, ran with it and made him a ticking time bomb. In many interviews, Denny and Neil has said he now regrets the creation of this Jason and even his ultimate fate and the gimmick he used to achieve it I think we said that in the show year one was brilliant yeah no problems with year one and then Batman Max Allen Collins run up have you ever read any of that stuff no apart from that one it's just got reprinted in trade right it's not very good see there's the thing that I have with comic book companies not everything is deserving of trade paperback yeah not everything belongs on somebody's shelf forevermore some of it's a bitch mm. And that Max Allen, Max Allen Collins era of Batman comes under that category. Okay. And then, but the flip side of that is you had Detective Comics, which was Mike Barr, Alan Davis, and Paul Neary. Yeah. And they were doing great stuff, really big fun. We read a couple of them. Yeah. And it's never been reprinted. Uh, which, yes, that's been reprinted in an Alan Davis omnibus. Right. But that was clearly pre-crisis Jason. Yeah. With the holy puns and dying his hair and all that stuff. So, yeah. it was a very schizophrenic time where DC hadn't really decided what was what, was what with, with the Batman. Very similar to New 52, where they couldn't really decide what was going on there as well. Just a little bit. Just a little bit, yeah. Never learn from their mistakes. Those who do not learn from history... Are doomed to repeat that. That's the bunny. Benefits of a classical education, as Alan Rickman once said. <laughs> oh, and Jason may have seen the woman he thought was his mother to die. The hook in the death in the family is that Jason discovers his real mother is someone else altogether and goes looking for her. Of course he did. Well done, Christopher, and somebody else emailed in about that as well. Okay. So Chris isn't the only one who emailed in to point out that the woman he saw die wasn't his real mum. So it's not a retcon or an error. Right. It works perfectly well within the story. Can you tell this story struck a nerve? It's bothered me for decades. I wasn't sorry to see Dick's part of it retconned away over the years, although sometimes what replaced it was just as bad or worse. I even got to ramble on about it in an article I wrote for Back Issue magazine in issue 48. 
But boy, that Perez Wonder Woman run was great, huh? Not a whole lot to add because you guys covered it so well. I think the Amazons continuing to wear the bracelet was just Potter and Perez's way to pay a nod to tradition, but find a reason for them to have bracelets in the first place. I agree it's a bit odd to wear something associated with such a horrible thing as slavery, but as Michael pointed out, Greek gods were big on things like that. Hippolyta was being set up in her role as wise and peaceful mother figure, so again the creators probably thought having her be so vengeful would besmirch her character. Nowadays, she'd have lopped Heracles' head off and raged war across the earth. It's unfortunate that most of the peaceful philosophy Perez infused into the series has been forgotten, because warrior women are more cool. Great episode. Love the show, Steve. Michael, I mean Chris Franklin. <laughs> you can be Michael Franklin if you want. Mm-hmm. Is there a Michael Franklin? Sure there's a Michael Franklin somewhere. Probably somewhere. Probably somewhere, yeah. Anyway, thanks, Chris. That was good, that. I'm very, very, uh, very useful. Yes, well pointed out that we cocked up the death and the family thing. Gabriel Jimenez emailed in. I know he's doing so well. Oh man, I was on a pretty good roll. Sadly, work got in the way, as it's wont to do. And I got more than a little sidetrack. So far, as is customary for me, I will not go into too much detail of any of the episodes I heard and enjoyed and will just stick to some points that got my attention. On the Superman versus the Ponzi Blonde dude... That sounded like a mess. I've not read a current Superman comic in ages, and I think the last one I bought from the rack was during Our World at War. I echo a lot of the sentiments you expressed during the episode on the state of the Superman titles and how Superman has gotten short shrift in his overall direction by DC. It frankly seems they don't really know what to do with him, and they've fidgeted around a lot on how to handle him. From what news I've heard, not from actually reading the comics, I think they're just almost trying to get by, like they know they have to do something with Superman. But it's easier or more profitable to focus more on other titles and characters at the moment, so they let Superman just happen. A good enough attitude. Superman's new 52 costume was mentioned, and it brought to mind something Dan Jurgen said during a panel, highlighting his work during WonderCon this past April. Somebody asked him about costume design, specifically the recent changes to DC characters, and he said you can't just consider how it looks in a pin-up, a cover, or a splash page. An artist needs to consider how the costume will look in a variety of situations, poses, angles, and how it would interact with other characters as well as the surroundings. He also said it was important to consider that not only one artist will handle the new costume, a costume should lend itself to different artist styles so that it looks good no matter who draws it. So overall I didn't get the impression he was too into Superman's costume. Well, that's because they've all been designed so Jim Lee can draw them. Yeah. And that's probably why they don't look terribly good when other people draw them that aren't Jim Lee. They've all been designed by Jim Lee. To be drawn by Jim Lee. That's why John Jr. changed the Superman design, so that he could draw it. Right. So that kind of is a bad design then, isn't it? Yeah. Alright, okay, fair enough. Gabrielle continues, you know, I've tried several times to sneak in some letter writing during work, but I'm constantly interrupted. And right now, I need to get going as I'm commuting to Los- from Los Angeles sorry, to Tijuana and want to beat the traffic, so I must take my leave. That's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. We don't get to do stuff like that, do no. we? We don't. We go from somewhere in the north to somewhere else in the north. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just wanted to mention quickly, though, that... Through a cousin of mine, or rather her boyfriend, I'm heading out to San Diego Comic Con this Saturday. This marks my return to SDCC after an 11-year break. I started going to that con when I was 12 and made it to 12 straight conventions, but was so mad after I was not able to get in for what would have been the 13th, no more tickets were available, I decided to boycott it. But on this occasion, gift horse and all, taking the wife and going to buy comics. She's excited because she's never been to one, so we'll see how it goes. Later, dudes! Gabrielle. Well, you tell us how it went. Mm-hmm. Actually, actually, having somebody listen to the show who went to San Diego Comic Con, that could be pretty cool, can't it? Yeah. So give us a first-hand account, Gabriel. That'll be that'll be great. If we'd have known earlier, I would have had an in to get that Jaws toy. Yeah, you wanted that one of meeting Quint, didn't you? <laughs> yeah. You sicko. 
I want a boat where if you press a button, a head floats past the <laughs> That was always your favourite bit as a kid. Yeah. <laughs> the head floats out the boat. Oh, no wonder you grew up warped. Gene Hendricks has emailed in. Hi, Gene. Andy and Michael. Post-Crisis DC Part 2. Whilst they agree that the new Flash had some backstory problems, they weren't insurmountable. Superman had adventures that did still happen, which is why Burns spread the origin out over ten years. See Man of Steel issue 6, where it's mentioned that Man of Steel issue 1 was ten years previous. I thought it was six years. Don't know. Mm. I'll go back and have a look at that, if I could be bothered. (laughs) I'll look it up on Google. Yeah. I'll Google through it. Not that I don't doubt what Gene says, but I thought it was six years. Yeah, it doesn't really matter, does it? That means that the characters that appeared after Superman have been around for ten years, unless, like, Wonder Woman specifically said they hadn't. So just because Barry was the Flash doesn't mean that all of his adventures, i.e. Flash of Two Worlds, had to happen. But some, the trial of the Flash did. Oh, and Barry went to live with Iris in the 30th century, not on Earth 2. So that still fits in with Crisis on Infinite Earths. Ah, yes, that's true. I do not dispute that. A sense of but isn't that a retcon? That it was the 30th century. That it was the 30th century on... Not Earth 2. Because I'm 90% certain, and you'll have to bear with me while I vamp for time, and look at the next email from Chris Franklin, because Chris is a font of all knowledge. Anyway, I can't find it. I can't find it in Chris's email. I'll probably see it next week when we read it. But I'm pretty sure Chris said that it was Earth 1, and then it was the future. Right. So we will... Wasn't the trial about Reverse Flash? Didn't Reverse Flash kill... I, reverse Flash killed Iris. Right. And then the trial was because Barry actually killed somebody. Right. I've never actually read the trial of the Flash. Okay. I kept meaning to pick up, you know, the showcase that yeah, collected yeah. it all, but I just never got around to it. So my, my, it is all explained in my greatest Flash stories ever told. They condense it into like three or four pages of text okay. to tell you what happened. But Barry was on trial for murdering somebody and he ends up going back to the future, or, or to Earth One, with Iris. Okay. So yeah, so yeah. But I don't know if it was a retcon or not, but Gene's right, it was the future, not the the past or another earth or whatever. Gene continues, as for the flash story itself, I like that we're firmly in Peter Parker territory. He can't afford to go running off to do a mission, so he broke us a deal. Of course, the lottery winning at the end undoes all that, but they can't do Spider-Man rip-off all the time. The story is a nice setup to the new Flash, showing how his speed isn't what it once was, and he's just trying to live up to the legacy of Barry Allen. True, I suppose the story was a bit serious, but eventually led to Mark Wade, so I can deal with it. As I'm sure you're already aware, this story was used as the basis for the Young Justice episode, Cold Hearted. No, well, I was not aware of that, because we didn't watch Young Justice much, did we? We didn't. I don't recall ever watching Young Justice. I think I watched the Teen... first episode. Did we? Yeah. I know, I liked Teen Titans Go. Yeah. That was fun, but I never watched Young Justice. Green Lantern was one of the comics I picked up as soon as I saw it in the back issues, continues Gene. True, this story gives Jon Stewart short shrift, but it sets up the Hal-Guy feud, whereas before it was more Guy versus the core. It also shows that Guy has a huge inferiority complex, sorry Mr. Engel, because Hal has given him the title and wandered off, but Guy can't take it. True, the timeline is a bit messy, but if you figure that Hal was on, oh, uh, being trained between Hal getting the ring and Superman appearing... But the current heroes still have been around for ten years, so there were adventures that happened. As for the story, Hal wanted to be David Banner, but a guy can't let it go, so he's constantly hounded. It's not a great issue, but it does lead to some good stuff later in the series, such as when two rednecks get a hold of Guy and Hal's ring, and Hal wills the ring to do his bidding, even though it's on someone else's finger. Where Green Arrow is concerned, I'm sorry, I just can't be bothered. He's great as part of the Justice League, where he can play a Hawkman and the like, but I've never cared to seek out his own series. As far as the heroes killing people thing goes, there's no absolute answer, really. 
Personally, because I wouldn't presume to speak for anyone else, I don't have a problem with heroes killing if there's a need for it. Superman killing Zod, both by John Byrne and in the Man of Steel movie, were necessary. Captain America picking up a machine gun in Avengers was necessary, really. The Joker should have been killed by Batman long ago. So the question that comes up is a good one and should be brought up every now and again. Too bad that's normally the kind of thing dealt with in subplots and downtime, which don't exist in today's comics. Right. That's a conversation point. Okay. I don't think Batman should kill the Joker. Okay. I do, however, think that Gene is correct that they would have sentenced him to the electric chair a long time ago. But Batman wouldn't have killed him. But Batman wouldn't kill him. I don't think Batman would, would cross that line. Okay. But I do think Gotham would have finally just had enough of him. Yeah. Because I think, despite him being clinically insane, I think you can argue a case he knows exactly what he's doing. Yeah. So he'd have been sent to the literature a long time ago. I like what, spoilers, uh, they did in the Snyder run. What? Batman let him kill himself off. Yeah. But he comes back, though. He's not come back yet. He will do. But he's not he, he yet. Don't. The Joker died at the end of every adventure back in the olden days. But not yet. <laughs> I mean, always. Do you know they're going to kill the Joker? They've killed off Batman, and they will both remain dead until we see them back. But you're not saying that they won't see them back. But what I'm saying is, until then, they're dead. <laughs> yeah, alright. They're dead until they're not dead. Yeah. That's what you're saying. That's how comics work. That's that's how comics work, yeah, that's fair enough. Gene concludes, where legacy characters are concerned, I don't mind if, if the original doesn't return. Michael brought up Flash Rebirth being convoluted because of legacy characters. It was convoluted because they had to shoehorn in the original character back when they had a perfectly viable character already there. Once the original comes back, there's no reason for the replacement. However, the living up to the legacy storyline can be very good, like both Wally and Kyle. And if you have an older hero like Jay Garrick or Alan Scott around to act as a mentor, it works really well. Personally, being more European in my comics views, as previously established, I would like to have every character age and eventually pass on the title. Just see the glorious Superman-Batman generations to see how that can be handled really well. Gene, Florence, New Jersey. See, that's ultimately the problem, isn't it? Comics, American comics don't change. Everyone's locked in amber. Yeah. So when you introduce a legacy character, you don't know that the next creative team aren't going to go, no, I want the old guy back. Mm. And then it's ultimately rendered moot. Yeah. Whereas Lone Wolf and Cub, you ended and then you do a new story with the Cub. But they're just with... different stories, though, really. Yeah. So like, when you're on goings, you can't really have them like that. Well, they've got a thing now with the new Green Lantern movie. Are they going to go with Hal Jordan again? Or are they going to go with Jon Stewart? Or, yeah. Or what? Because DC seemed to forget that the people who knew the Green Lantern knew him from the Justice League cartoon, yeah, where he was John yeah. Stewart. So you had that thing like, why have you done a white guy? Yeah. That was quite funny. Because they could have had John Stewart in that film. Mm. Although if it had tanked, they would have blamed John Stewart, wouldn't they? They would have, yeah. They wouldn't have blamed the film. So. Also, as to the Babe Ruth question, you haven't seen The Goonies, have you? And he's included a link to The Goonies bit where it goes, Babe Ruth, with a, the thing here. Oh, okay. I have seen The Goonies. I saw it in the mid to late 80s. Didn't like it. Right. I know that's probably blasphemous. Yeah. But I didn't like it when I saw it in the mid to late 80s. Never seen it all the way through. You've never seen it? Okay. I've not watched it since then. Yeah. I may have a different opinion of it now, because I know lots of people love it. But, uh, you know, I didn't like it when I saw it. It was was on on the coach on the way to Venice. Was it? Yeah. But I just played Professor Layton. I I wasn't that into it. Gene does the Hammer Strikes, the Hammer Podcast, the Quantum Cast, and Anime Freaks. So go and check all of those. Out. Uh, last one tonight, Brian Menard has emailed in. He is from Red King Press, and they are going to publish their own comics through Indiegogo. 
for the Commander. So he's just basically emailed in and said, will we plug that Indiegogo project, join the Commander's Quest for Global Print Run. So feel free to pop on over to Brian Menard's Indiegogo and fully support Red King Press. There you go. We've done it. Yeah. Aren't we nice? That's our good day for the It day. is, aren't we? Isn't that lovely of us? Mm. Yeah. Anyway, more emails next time. Because uh, we'll have to be working through them. Uh, we'll plug Sunday's show and we'll be right back with All-Star, Batman and Robin, the Boy Wonder. I'm Mike Gillis. And I'm Casey Doran. And we want to ask you an important question. Are you sick and tired of other panel discussion shows wasting your time droning on and on about foreign policy, economics, and human rights? Or do you want to hear conversations about things that actually matter? We host a podcast called Radio vs. the Martians. Every month we gather a panel of our nation's finest minds and plunge a rusty prison shank into the heart of tough questions that have an impact on the lives of real people like you. Like, are drivers required to pull over for the Ghostbusters? Is the United Federation of Planets actually an oppressive dictatorship run by guidance counselors? Is Arnold Schwarzenegger secretly a genius? And are we being mean when we laugh at movies that are so bad they're good? So write your congressman and let them know that Radio vs. the Martians is available on iTunes, Stitcher, and on RadioVsTheMartians.com. Launching with a huge noise, DC's all-star line was supposed to be their answer to Marvel's ultimate line. A chance for top creators to re-envision their top characters without having to deal with years' worth of useless continuity. The first announcements were greeted with excitement. Grant Morrison would be writing all-star Superman, and Frank Miller would be returning to pen all-star Batman and Robin the Boy Wonder. The series would take place in Miller's Dark Knight continuity and show how that Batman adopted his Robin. One would have thought DC would have had concerns early on, given that, whilst The Dark Knight Returns, Miller's 80s take on Batman has become one of comics' holy texts, The Dark Knight Strikes Again, Miller's return to that universe, was met with almost critical disdain. Personally, I thought it was funny, if completely crazy, so I wasn't averse to Miller returning. However, DC must have had a severe case of froze toes regarding the art in Dark Knight Strikes Again. And for this series, Jim Lee was announced as artist. There were a couple of problems with this approach. All-Star Batman and Robin the Boy Wonder was supposed to be a continuous monthly book, but Jim Lee on art made that a very remote possibility. This turned out to be the case. Issue 1 of the series came out in July 2005, whereas the last published issue came out in April 2008. Three years for ten issues isn't quite as bad as Danger Girl, but it kind of kills any momentum that the series may have had. Hell, even All-Star Superman, which featured notorious artistic snail Frank Quitley on art, managed to get twelve issues out in two years, pretty much sticking to the bi-monthly schedule. Second, setting this in the Dark Knight continuity meant we knew how this all turned out. Dark Knight Strikes Again, in one of its more distasteful reveals, established Dick Grayson as the villain of that story, and has Batman decapitate him. Of course, he gets better a few panels later, but that means this suffers from the problem of most prequels. There are very few surprises. Still, we were looking forward to this when it came out, weren't we? I don't remember. You were in ten. Yeah. But you were you were in your Jim Lee phase. I, I read every issue as it came out. Yeah, so you, you were looking forward to it, I was looking forward to it. Neither of us have read this since it came out. No. Is that true? Yeah. I know I haven't read it since then. And it, it was very disjointed, as you say, it took three years to, to come out. So we're interested in seeing if this is as bad as its reputation suggests. Mm. Or if there's enjoyment to be found here. We're looking for the fun. We're bringing the fun in. Oh, uh, That's the idea... Next week on... 
Mr. Batman and Robin, The Boy Wonder, issue one, came out in September 2005. Your tenth birthday. Yeah. And ten years ago. That's making me feel old. Ten years ago, this came out. There were two covers by Jim Lee that linked together. On one half, the Batman swings high above Gotham in a way that is really not possible from how he's holding his body. And on the other, Robin does the same, smiling like he doesn't know what comic he's in. Robin has the bat signal shining in the background. We only have the Robin cover, because I only buy one. But as usual for Lee, it's very detailed. And uh, to give him credit where it's due, this level of detail will continue throughout the series. Yeah, this is Jim Lee when he's good. Yes. I'm, I can't fault the art. Yeah. I don't fault the art throughout the entire um, the entire series. You know why you've got this specific cover? Why? You let Mum pick the covers. Did I? Because it was at March, yeah, and there was right. two. So we were still going to a comic shop at this point, wasn't We were, yeah. Because <laughs> there was a local one. <laughs> right, so I hold them both up and your mum picked the Robin cover. Yeah, that's how I remember it. Right, it's very unusual. She didn't pick the Batman cover. A couple of months later, they published a, a, a Frank Miller variant, which very much looks like Batman snapping a cop's neck. But I think he's just punching him in the face, isn't uh, it? It's Frank Miller, so it's very scratchy. Which one is it? That one, though. Oh, right. A special? What was in the special? I don't know. Was it just the pencils? It was a special edition. It came out around the time of um, issue three and four. Oh, yeah, pencils ver- only version oh, right. of episode one had a Frank Miller cover. Yeah, it's not that great. No. I think that pretty much sums up all of Frank Miller's covers. Yeah. That what you just said, though. Keep keep hold of that thought as we go along. All of the issues are written by Miller with art by Lee and his usual inking collaborator Scott Williams. None of the issues have titles. Rather, they are just called Chapter 1, Chapter 2, etc., etc., which is astonishingly lazy. They're called episodes, weren't they? Were they called episodes? Episode 1, Episode 2? Yeah, you're absolutely right. Episode 1, 2, 3. Because obviously there were scripts for a TV show that failed. Right, well, there you go then. You're absolutely right. That is far, far <laughs> more adventurous than <laughs> yeah. Chapter 1, Chapter 2. I, I take that. Back. <laughs> it's not astonishingly lazy at all. No? Or the opposite of that. <laughs> Who can say? Uh, what happens in this issue? Should I tell you? Go on. I can tell the listeners are on the edge of the seats. It's so, so am I. Waiting for the synopsis <laughs> to these. These um, labyrinthian plots. Is it, these is it? Byzantine storylines full of twists and turns and. I think I'm burying the lead here, am I? Yeah, yeah. Uh, is this, is this going to topple the synopsis for Ghost Rider? <laughs> No, the synopsis for Ghost Rider was just me just going, I cannot take this seriously. That happened after I'd read the comic in these cases. Oh, okay. But anyway, the synopsis is as follows. Scandal rag journalist Vicky Vale finally has a date with Gotham's most eligible bachelor, Bruce Wayne. He takes her to the circus where they witness the flying Graysons gunned down, leaving their son, Dick Grayson, who Bruce has been watching for a while, orphaned. Bruce makes the scene as the Batman, whilst Vicky confronts the police noted for their corruption. The cops take Dick and slap Vicky down, and she pursues them in Bruce's limo with Alfred riding shotgun. Batman, meanwhile, tracks the Sniper, a low-level thug called Jocko Boy Vanzetti, making him believe there's a lot of food chain to work up before he discovers who killed the Graysons. He takes off in pursuit of Vicky, Dick, and the cops. Vicky's right to be concerned. The cops try to convince Dick that he didn't see what he actually saw, but before they can beat on the kid, the Batman arrives, smashes their car with the Batmobile, sets a ton of bats on them, and then as they flee, he grabs the kid, saying, You've just been drafted into a war. The end. Yeah. That was it. That was was issue one. Okay, (laughs) let's talk about this. Uh, from an artistic standpoint, page one is absolutely stunning. 
Mm. As you've pointed out, this is Jim Lee in his, his exceptionally good phase. And I don't really have any problems with the art at all throughout the en- entire run of the, the, the comic. Dick's in mid He's hovering at the apex of his leap. He's just about to grab hold of one trapeze as he's let go of the other one. It's pretty damn good mm. as an artistic piece of work. The joy on his face, the anatomy is exceptional. He looks like a, a child of yeah. 10, 12 years of age. How old was Dick in this comic? He's 10. Are you sure about that? He's either 10 or 12. I think he's 12, because Frank Miller doesn't stop oh, right. telling yeah, yeah, us yeah. how old he is throughout the run of the book. But he looks like a 12-year-old boy. Yeah. He doesn't look like they've drawn a man with a big head, mm. like a lot of people, like John Jr. draws kids. Big lollipop heads. <laughs> Um, the detail in the background is especially amazing. There, there's individual faces on all the people in the crowd, and there's the um, the scaffolding keeping up the big top. It's an absolutely exceptional piece of art. Mm. And this alone was making you look at it going, there is no way in hell he's going to keep a monthly schedule. Yeah. On this level of and detail. the colour complements it instead of doing more yeah. work. Yeah, the colouring's really nice. You do get the impression, you're, like you say, the colouring's complementing the art instead of doing what I think it does a lot with Frank Quitler. Yeah. Which is... is it I is don't the think, art. Yeah, I don't think he'd look anywhere near as good without the colouring. Oh, I'd, I'd argue with that, but... Yeah, and that black and white stuff of his you showed me is really good. Yeah. But All-Star Superman, you're saying that'll look good in black and white? Okay, not All-Star... Superman. I think that's that's very much a colorist gig, isn't it? Yeah. The writing is the writing's quite frankly terrible. Oh yeah, yeah. Throughout this entire series, it's just so on the nose. Three times on page two, Dick says of his parents, "They're always there for me." Yeah. Three times. I know we know this story. Mm-hmm. I know Frank Miller isn't subtle. Yeah. Especially in his later years. But this just telegraphs. They are going to die. Well, it's like that for every single character. Yes. They are all... They just repeat the same things, and they're all very unlikable. And honestly, I don't think a script for a comic has ever pissed me off as much as this one did. Really? Yeah. Why not? Why? What, was, what just, was it about it? I was sick of reading the same thing over and over again. Oh, I'm going on a date with Bruce Wayne. I'm going on a date with Bruce Wayne. Cool, <laughs> cool, cool. I'm going on a date with Bruce Wayne. Yeah, no, no I don't disagree with you. As we go through, that will become a, a recurring thing, won't it? Uh, should we address the introduction of Vicky Vale uh, yeah, okay. into this comic book? Uh, the point of the All-Star line, as I recall it, you can you may be able to disagree, but wasn't the point of this to appeal to new readers, and heaven forbid, kids? Because let's not forget, kids love Robin. The yeah. whole reason Robin was added to the Batman animated series in its second series was kid loving. Yeah. And it's one of those things that you as an adult and Jim Sterling, as we mentioned in the email, Chris, doesn't like the concept of Robin, but kids love Robin. Yeah. So when you've got Robin, though, you've automatically got an inbuilt kid audience. Yeah. So kids are going to be interested in this if they see this comic, right? Okay. To that end, mm. having two entire pages... Of Vicky just striding around in her, um, her Victoria's Secret underwear, wearing high heel slippers, whilst talking about the Man of Steel and wondering if that applies to his throbbing erection, <laughs> then sucking an olive suggestedly out of her drink, doesn't that seem counterproductive to who the audience for this may have been? And I, I, I don't know if if you're um, as a parent, if you're giving your child a Frank Miller comic, you're a very confident parent. Okay, as a parent, 
Right. You may not have a clue who Frank Miller is. Yeah. You've seen, oh, Batman and Robin. My kids love that Batman animated <laughs> series, and you've bought that for your child. Okay, yeah. You see my point? Yeah. Now, obviously, I have no problem with 10-year-old you reading this, <laughs> because I am, as we have established many times, a terrible father. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Did you, what, do you, what do you think about that? What do you think of it as a 20-year-old? As, as a 20-year-old, it's, it's... I mean, the close-up of her ass. We Honestly. covered G- Danger Girl last week, right? Yeah. Danger Girl is what it is. And it's churlish to complain about what it is, which yeah. is women in tight clothes doing dangerous things. Yeah. But it straddles that line, as we said last week, between adolescent fantasy and female empowerment. Mm. That's gratuitous. I know, that's ridiculous. The close of her ass. Yes, because there's not even a line to, to uh, separate her legs. That's lazy work. That's when <laughs> the chorus do it. But honestly, I don't, I don't care about this, because you know? I, I, I know Frank, Frank Miller's like... Yeah. You go through Sin City and everyone's taking the kecks off. Yeah, but this isn't Sin City. But it is. Yeah, but it shouldn't be. It shouldn't be, but it is. I mean, you, the, the panties are see-through. Yeah. I will say again, kids love Robin. That was ultimately the downfall of choosing Frank Miller to do an all-star line then. Yeah. And what was all this hard-boiled narration that she's dictating into the digital recorder? And why is she strutting around in her underwear in front of huge windows with no curtains yeah. with the lights on? Does she want people to see her? Maybe, maybe the, the dimmed out ones. Uh, maybe. Maybe I just had more problems with it than you did because I, I did think this was... Isn't she dictating to write it down later? She's dictating her column, yes. Yeah. That's what she's doing. And that essentially we're supposed to believe that in this incarnation she's Cat Grant. She's yeah. a gossip columnist. Mm. But I just, I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I mean, I'm not bothered by it, but there is a part of me that thinks kids, but do, kids weren't buying them, were they? They weren't. So, but if you think yeah. about it, All-Star Superman was about the death of Superman. It yes, was fun, it was bright, but it was, was done in a way but... that a child could read it. Yeah, but the, I think it's all about what DC chose to who they chose for the, the, to work on it yeah, and no. having Frank Miller return to his Dark Knight in verse is was, a big seller yeah and they're not really bothered about it was the biggest selling point but also the, the downfall the biggest problem with it yeah hmm. alright fair enough uh, they could be going for a strong character here we could give them benefit of the doubt there's nothing wrong with a little bit of cheesecake ok you know sometimes but she's a male fantasy woman She's all tough and hard in her dialogue whilst wearing underwear. But the prospect of a date with Bruce Wayne, like you said, she says it three times. Mm. Four. Yep. She says it four times. On just those two pages? On just those two pages. And she just becomes a giggling girly. Yeah. So is she a strong female protagonist? Oh, hell, forget to hate that. Is she a strong protagonist? Right. Or is she adolescent, teenage boy view of a woman she's image over character she's Frank Miller's image of a woman yeah or she's she's Jim Lee's woman with Frank Miller's script yeah because you could cut out those five pages from this comic you yeah. could completely excise those five pages pick up after the opening with Alfred picking Vicky up in the limo 
and you lose nothing. Yeah, but then that year you can cu- you cut out Frank Miller getting to write about Superman's cock in a mainstream Batman title, and you cut out Jim Lee drawing attractive women, drawing a woman worrying not very much. Yeah. See, if it was Danger Girl, I probably wouldn't... But Danger Girl was never that gratuitous, was it? I think that's the difference. Yeah, yeah. Danger Girl was never that gratuitous. Plus, Dan- Which is odd to say about Danger Girl. Danger Girl was Danger Girl. Yeah. Whereas this is Batman. Whereas this is Batman and Robin. That's my thing. Yeah, well, it's, it's about Robin. It's called Robin the Boy Wonder. Yes. Yeah. It's Batman and Robin. It's the title and the focus. Yeah. So, like I say, you could cut those. Well, who was the editor of this filth? Bob Shrek. Was the editor? I think he was asleep at the wheel. Either that, or he was enjoying Jim. No, do you know what I think it is? They basically said to Frank Miller, "You can do what you want," and then it's backfired on him. Yeah, that's my that's my honest opinion of what happened here. Um, I know we're supposed to think it's ironic that Vicky describes Batman as a loser, but Bruce as hot stuff. Yeah, because it's a comic book. You know, see any Golden Age issue with the Flash, where Iris is all very, oh, why can't you be more like the Flash, Barry? Yeah. Music in the background. But that was a bit, that's it. It's not the 50s anymore, is it? No. But Frank Miller likes taking the piss out of Batman. Yeah, well, we'll get to that later, actually. We will talk about that later on. Uh, Artistically, absolutely stunning shot of um, Vicky getting into the limo. Yeah. Absolutely gorgeous shot of Gotham City. And she looks, she does actually genuinely look really stunning in that dress. Mm. It's a really nice dress. Jim Lee draws it really well. I love Alfred. He's, uh, he's, he's very, he's what's it in this, isn't he? Yeah. He's a bit more hard boiled, which we'll, again, we'll, we'll talk about as we go along. So you're complimenting the art like this, but go and, go and read his, his Justice League stuff that's coming out at the moment. He's not drawing Justice League at the minute, is he? He came back for an issue. Oh, did he? But after reading this, go on, read, read Justice League. Tell, me, right. tell me how his art's not changed. Uh, so <laughs> I, I don't notice any difference between Jim Lee then and Jim Lee now. I'll yeah. take your word for it that maybe it's got a bit more scratchy, a bit more rushed, mm. a bit more whatever. But Jim Lee doesn't have a... He never seems to me like he's evolved as an artist. He's still yeah. drawing pin-up poses that look nice... I think for this series he's actually doing sequential artwork. Yeah. And he does it really, really well. I mean, there's still pin-up pauses every two or three pages. That's right for your artist. But, you know, that's writing for who's drawing it. Yeah, that's, I don't... I think he's actually really good in this series. Mm-hmm. I, don't, um, I don't think Jim Lee is this series' problem. Yeah, no, no, no. Let's there's an honest. advert for Wildcats, though. There is an advert for Wildcats, yeah. For Wildcats, the, um, the cartoon series, which we watched a bit of when we did that issue of Wildcats. Mike Bailey sent us the link to YouTube, yeah? Oh, right, okay. It looks awful. Yeah. <laughs> no surprise there, then. Uh, Bruce watches Dick pull off an impressive stunt and says, I've had my eye on him for some time. Which Vicky rightly interprets as Bruce being a bit of a boy chaser. Yeah. It's a terrible line, isn't it? Yeah, but this is... It felt like he was signposting, I'm Batman. I'm doing Batman things. Well, I've, I'm I've, Bruce Wayne. I'm being Batman. I've got that. I've got that. No, later on, but we'll we'll bring it along here. She's with Bruce Wayne. Bruce Wayne's had his eye on Dick for some time. Yeah. Batman kidnaps Dick in front of Vicky Vale. Yeah. And in a couple of, I say a couple of issues. It's not happened yet, but at some point in the future, Dick is going to become Robin. Yeah. And Vicky's not going to figure that out, unless that was a plot line that they've not got to yet. Could be. But this is just. I, I don't know what it was, but can Frank Miller write Bruce Wayne, or does he just want Batman? 
I don't think Frank Miller sees any difference between Bruce Wayne and Batman. Because in this, as Bruce Wayne, he's just Batman without the costume. Yes, there is there isn't a Bruce Wayne in this. No. And Batman's a raging psychopath. But we've not met <laughs> Batman yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that, well that, that just gets much better as we go along. I'm, uh, I'm really loving this. I, I hated that line, not because the, for the, the paedophilia con- context... Implications. Implications. That it brings up. Thank you very much, that's the word I was looking for. But it makes... It takes Dick from being a nice guy who sees something of himself in Dick you mean and Bruce? decides to yeah sorry yeah. and and decides to adopt him yeah this in this incarnation he's been watching him for some time with a view to bringing him in irrespective of whether his parents die or not yeah if this Does series that work? if this series would have ended I'd I'd have liked the plot twist to be Bruce Wayne set up the murder of his oh parents. you guys got that exact note <laughs> right. I've got that exact note written later on yeah it wouldn't surprise me. To, to think that Frank Miller would ultimately have a twist that Bruce set this up. Yeah. That would totally be with him, <laughs> Frank Miller and the Dark Knight. Uh, yeah. Well, I'm on exactly the same page. <laughs> we'll have to skip that when I get to it, but I have written that down somewhere. Um, in this original telling of the story, the Graysons are killed in an accident. They are, they? yeah. Because the... Or a set-up accident. Yeah, they're being... Yeah, accident in, in speech, man. They're being leaned on. Yeah. So that they were... The, the, that Halley's Circus will pay protection money. In this telling of the story, they're shot in the head by a sniper. Yeah. Which is in no way subtle, and is no way can be written off as an accident. No, so when when they're called, the police call yeah, well, the later on, what are they going to do with all those witnesses? Yeah, cop, that made no sense, did it? No. The cops are saying to Dick, oh, you didn't see what you <laughs> think you saw. So everyone in the big top didn't see what they thought they saw. Yeah. I mean, I know there are mass hallucinations in the X-Files and stuff, <laughs> but this is pushing it. But, you know, pointing out a plot that doesn't make sense in this book is going to become common as we go along. It is. So so that's the first one. Yeah. That made no sense. All right, okay. Deliberate restaging of the death of the Graysons in comparison to the death of the Waynes from year one. Mm. That's quite deliberate, in text, except there's no pools all over the floor. Uh, if we had, as I said, skipped those five pages of Vicky strutting around in her underwear, she actually comes across quite well in the rest of the comic. Yeah. She actually does quite well in the rest of the comic. She confronts the corrupt cops. She is prepared to take Dick away herself. Yeah. Because she doesn't want him going with these guys, which is, is fair enough. She gets punched in the face for her trouble and actually spits at the cop, which mm. again was a nice touch and what sells it is she remains defiant to the end yeah this was at the end of this Vicky's not bad yeah. Vicky's actually well characterised she's very Lois Lane yeah but I, I, it's, it's very Frank Miller how the police are corrupt just cause yeah because Gotham City is Sin City yes pretty much and I do like the introduction to Batman we see him but as shadows and bits of cape yeah that. I loved all of that, that we only see Batman in shadow and, yeah, flashes of cape and a, a close-up of his fist and, and stuff like that before we actually have the big reveal of him. I always think that's how you should introduce Batman. Yeah. Just flashes and, what was that? What was that noise? Yeah. And then all the bats come out. That was quite well done. That was quite... Uh, that was really good. Calling Alfred Jeeves is funny. If it's that obvious. Yeah. But funny. And Alfred asking Vicky to not take pictures while she's driving... <laughs> That was funny, mm-hmm. given what happens. But we'll come back to that in a minute. Uh, and the final panel has Lee doing his best Frank Miller impersonation, which is the first shot 
of Batman. I really like that it's the first we see of him. Like you yeah. say, I like that we've only seen him in flashes. And then those little Bat Razor things that he used in Dark Knight Returns. Yeah. You see them as well. Here, though, Batman thinks it's perfectly acceptable to lift a ten-year-old boy by the throat and yell at him after he's just watched his parents be shot through the head. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You've just been drafted into a war. <laughs> and it's like, really? This is how you're going to treat the kid? It don't get any better. Well, at, at least he knows that in the later issue. Yeah, well, there's such a thing as tough love. Yeah. I think is what we're saying. In, in that issue, did you notice how Bruce Wayne was clean-shaven clean all the way through? Until he becomes Batman. And how on the, on, on the last page, Batman is still clean-shaven. Yeah, oh, yeah, so he is. That, that only lasts that page. Well, um, the grasp of how time works yeah. in this comic yeah. bears no resemblance to reality. Also, that, that panel where... Batman crashes the Batmobile into the police car and knocks it over. Alfred and Vi- and the car that Alfred and Vicky Vale's in. Oh, does Batman crash into them? That's, that's is that what that's supposed to be? That's how I read it. Yeah, because that's the crash they're in in the next issue. Yeah, well, that's I've got that in the next issue that Vicky's in intensive care. Yeah, and I'm like, how the hell did she get there? Batman crashed into the. So both of them. Batman put Vicky in intensive care. That's uh, yeah. That's how I read it. Yeah. No, it's perfectly plausible, because, yeah, yeah, that he does smash... But it doesn't make clear from the art that he smashed into the limo. Yeah. It, it looks like he smashed into the cop car. That's what confused me. But, yeah, you're right, there are... Well, how many police cars were there? Just the one, wasn't there? Was there only the one cop car? Yeah. Right, so you're right, then. Batman smashes into the limo. Batman puts Vicky Vale in intensive care in the next yeah. issue. and then later on, Alfred's like, oh, she's going into da-da-da-da-da, and Batman's like, yeah, get someone else sorted out. <laughs> I, I don't care. I, I got people to laugh at. Well done, Batman. <laughs> Big thumbs up. Yeah, it's a war collateral for how good he is in this issue. Yeah. Um, with the exception of Vicky's introduction, this was all right. Yeah. This was fun. It's padded as hell. Very little happens, um, but it's pretty. Yeah. The the dialogue's pretty bad. Oh, that gets worse though. Oh, I know. As we go along, I think I think I was at issue three. Before the wheels came off this wagon. There were moments I did like, but they were in later issues. Yeah. <laughs> Not in that one. No. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, fair enough. Uh, issue number two, the Jim Lee cover. Batman stands above a prone dick in the rain. Bats flying around. Dick is holding a flyer for the Flying Grayson. Frank Miller's cover is pretty naff. It's a very distorted shot of Robin hiding behind his cape as the shadow of the bat falls on the wall behind him. There's blood spatter everywhere, so Dexter Morgan would be very happy. What do you think? It's Jim Lee's cover's better, isn't it? Yeah, it's yeah. It's supposed to cover. Yeah. But that's what this series is. Yeah. So complaining about that is churlish, but yeah. Apparently this happened during the crisis. Apparently so, because the sky is red. Did Frank Miller do a, do a good cover for this series? He didn't, did he? Uh, In fact, they stopped letting Frank Miller do the covers for issue seven. <laughs> they did, yeah. They got Neil Adams in to do them instead. He's... The one for issue seven isn't that bad, if you think if of you it. If you squint. If you take it in the context of Dark Knight Returns. Right. Well, we're not doing issue seven today. So. We'll talk about that next time. Episode two.
Batman kidnaps Dick and whisks him out of the city. Vicky Vale's injuries sustained from the accident are tended to by Alfred, and she asks Alfred where Batman has taken Dick before she passes out due to blood loss. Batman zooms away from Gotham trying to scur the kid with his gruff voice and by copying an attitude. Dick's all, whatever, Batman is all, damn, this kid don't scare. With the police in hot pursuit, Dick thinks they should pull over, but the Batman realises that that would be silly. These cops are following a kill order. Batman laughs like a maniacal loon and guns the Batmobile. He talks to the car and the car talks back in a British accent. William Daniels was presumably busy. The car flies, soaring above the cops and into the sky. Dick almost throws up. Then the realisation hits him. His parents are dead. Their brains splattered all over his shoes. The Batman smacks him across the face. Shut up, kid. Snap out of it. But then he seems to have second thoughts, wondering what he's doing to the boy. Doesn't matter. Nothing matters. Save the mission. He tells him that there are no decent cops in the city and they are not to be trusted. He tells Dick this three times. He asks if Dick can be brave. Dick realises what he's really asking. He's asking him to join his damned fool idealistic crusade. Dick replies that he can be brave. So when he's talking to the Batmobile, and it answers with a British accent, the implication there is he's talking to Alfred, not the car, right? Yeah. How is Alfred doing that while he's fixing Vicky Vale's wounds? I, I just got it was... You know, like in that just Indian just read where he talks to his gun and it talks back to him. Oh, right, you just got that it's in Batman's head. I, I got that. Oh, Batman had written a script out and <laughs> given it to Alfred and then he programmed it into the car. Oh, the Batmobile is, is Kit. Yeah. Best. I, I just like the idea that the, the Sattler in a recording booth said, uh, Ejector seat. Uh, one, one more time. <laughs> Ejector seat. Uh, <laughs> <little louder. laughs> I cannot understand what you were saying. Like, like, like Suri. <laughs> Please repeat. Ejector seat. Opening doors. Ejector seat. <laughs> that would actually be really, really funny. Playing best of rush. Ejector seat. <laughs> I love the idea of Batman listening to the best of rush. Um, not only does he pick Dick up by the scruff of the neck, he just chucks him into the Batmobile. Yeah. And then gasses him. Yeah, well, that first that first splash page. Of, of many. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the one for it. Yeah. I will put money down on that being a recreation of a splash, splash page from Sin City. You reckon? Yeah. The Batmobile soaring up a road from, and with Gotham in the I background. I will put money on it that I've seen Frank Miller do that in Sin City before. We'd, we'd have to look up Sin City, but you're probably not wrong. Yeah. Because this is what it is. It's Batman in Sin City. Pretty much. Yeah, it, it is that. Um, is it Miller's intention in this series to portray Batman as a bit of an ass? Because he kidnaps a kid, holds him in a chokehold, then looks like a real prat when he can't explain what a ward is. Which was one of the funniest lines in the th- in the book. Sleep tight, my ward. What? What the hell's a ward? Shut up, I'll do the talking here. Yeah, but that that did seem like him taking the piss out of Batman and his young ward. Yes, but Batman's not in on the joke. He's he's not. Is he? The, the only sense of humour Batman has is his own. And Dick keeps undercutting him by saying he's got this lame-ass Clint Eastwood impression. Yeah. And as you point out, Batman's now got stubble. Yeah. From nowhere. So, continuity, you know, for other people. And it's... I don't know what to say to it, because we now get to the single best bit right. of this. If this series is going to be remembered, <laughs> yeah, it will be remembered for this the single best line of any comic book <laughs> ever published. 
in the history of man. Right. Eastern, Western comics doesn't matter. <laughs> this is the single best moment of dialogue. Are you ready? <clears throat> Just got to centre myself. Got to find my focus. Right, okay. Got to find my motivation. You ready for this? This is Shakespeare. <laughs> what are you, dense? Are you retarded or something? Who the hell do you think I am? I'm the goddamn Batman! <laughs> Come on, that's genius. <laughs> I want Kevin Conroy to deliver that line. Do you know what? <laughs> Kevin Conroy could probably make that work. He, he could. That's he. how good he is. But I didn't. I read, I'm reading it and I pissed myself laughing because I had genuinely forgotten the lead up to it. I'd yeah. not forgotten I'm the goddamn Batman. Everyone remembers that. Isn't that a meme? Yeah. At this point. But I'd forgotten the lead up to it. What are you dense? Are you retarded? <laughs> Who the hell do you think I am? Yeah. It's. <laughs> <laughs> it's not quite tell your friends. It's not quite tell. It's not quite. I am vengeance. I am the night. Is it? No. It's it's not as good as either of those. <laughs> as opening lines go. Yeah. It's it certainly grabs your attention though. <laughs> it's because you're so busy laughing that you suddenly. You, I, I think I've got this. I've got. I've, I'll talk about this now. This issue is so staggeringly over the top. It's actually hard to judge it on its own, isn't it? Yeah. Taken as part of the larger tapestry of this of this epic, it may make more sense, although it hasn't yet. I, th- I think it makes less sense like that. Do you? Yeah. Because this is just so silly. It's it's camp. Yeah, but uh, saying that in the Dark Knight Returns, yes. he's he's a bit crazy because he's because he's given up he's he's, given up on his life's mission so he's a reason to be crazy he's broken into coming the Batman again and then it's a little bit more in the the Dark Knight Strikes again as Frank Miller's do you know what I think this is yeah I think this is Frank Miller writing the Batman that everyone else tries to write when they're imitating Frank Miller yeah I think he's taking the piss. It works when he's crazy in the Dark Knight books because he's working from the history of everyone else's Batman. Yeah. But if this is the origin to that Batman and he's already... He's already a psychopath. He's like twice as bad as he is in the later <laughs> ones. It doesn't work. Yeah. Suddenly he's mental and then he's he's, he's so... He's like calming down as he's retired and then he snaps again to become not as crazy as he used to be but a bit more crazy <laughs> swinging his sniper around on his back riding yeah. on horseback yeah the Batman's dialogue in this is so ridiculous yeah the only way you can read this is as a parody of hard-boiled crime dialogue which I'm, I'm, I can't be sure whether that's what Miller wanted that's, that's what I that's, that's exactly where I am with it we are on exactly the same page with this yeah we are so simpatico with this I, I actually read this with my jaw open. I can't decide if this is magnificent satire <laughs> yeah. that has just gone right over everybody's head. Yeah. Or if it's just badly written pulp. Because <laughs> yeah. it goes either way. It can go either way. Yeah. Can't it? I, I was stupefied by this. <laughs> and the very fact that Batman has a line of dialogue, somebody put a kill order on me. Cool. It's about time. <laughs> You're like, when does Batman say cool? Yeah. And why the hell is he trying to scare the crap out of Dick? I don't get that as a technique, a motivating <laughs> technique at all. 
and Dick hates him. He thinks he's a tool. Yeah. Which is a reasonable reaction <laughs> under the circumstances. And then Batman, Batman set some cops on fire. Yeah. I didn't imagine that. He sets policemen on fire and he laughs why he does it. <laughs> He's giggling like a small child <laughs> while he's burning policemen. I got it more of a gruff laugh, to be honest, but yeah, yeah. It don't work quite as well. <laughs> Burn you, son of a bitch! That is actually it's, what he's doing. It's Carmageddon. It, it is. It's the last few pages of this comic. Are just absolutely stunning. And then it's like, oh yeah, just watch this kid. It turns into a bat jet. And then yeah, and then it flies. The Sudden- car flies. Suddenly it's Spy Hunter. And then he smacks Dick about the face because <laughs> he thinks you can't have time to grieve because grieving is apparently a weakness. And weakness leads to the dark side. And weakness leads hence. <laughs> yeah. You know. And then. He becomes slightly unhinged when Dick suggests that maybe dressing up as a bat to fight crime means you're a little bit unhinged. Yeah. He gets very defensive about that. But then he gets all sympathetic about how Dick needs to be brave. A professional psychoanalyst could have a field day with this comic. (laughs) He really could. I know we've not covered this in the same way that we cover other comics, but believe me, lovely listener, this isn't like other (laughs) comics. This is genuinely a comic you need to read. Yeah. Everyone needs to experience <laughs> this. Because I cannot decide what it is. I really can't. We kind of need a universal vote. We do. Because I'm just, I'm just at a loss with this one. I really am. The art's lovely. Yeah, yeah. The art's actually really quite stunning. But like I say, I, I can't decide whether it's satirical or not. Because there's a part of me that wants it to be satire. There's a part of it that wants it to be Frank Miller saying, alright, this is what you took from Dark Knight, you've all got it wrong, Okay. let me show you what you're doing wrong. Right. So you don't want it to be as crap as it might be? No, I want him to be deliberately saying, alright, you're writing Frank Miller's Batman, I will write real crazy Frank Miller Batman. You're right. I want it to be a satire. I want it to be genuinely a satire. Okay. I don't... Because otherwise, it's crap. That could be denial or wishful thinking. Or both. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> issue number three, Jim Lee. Don't you have anything to say about that issue? Because we've just laughed oh, for it. No, no, no. <laughs> I, I mean, you have got to get the bit... Oh, right, Batman, Batman's a little bit of a human, but... No, he isn't. <laughs> yes. Uh, and I hate that you can see his ears through his mask. I like that. Yeah, I know you like that. Okay. Issue three, Jim Lee's cover as Batman as a figurehead in the background as Black Canary leaps in with a high kick in the foreground. Miller's cover is Black Canary smoking and lounging around. Miller's cover is is crap. Yeah, she's not even wearing the same costume that she's wearing in the comic. No. So you know, I, I don't understand what what that's all about. Absolute drivel. Um, issue three synopsis. You ready? You ready for more? Six months earlier, and apropos of bugger all, there's a club called the Black Canary. 
There's a woman in the car that dresses like the DC hero, the Black Canary. Except this woman, inspired by the Batman, kicks the holy hell out of the bar's patrons because they are all sexist, misogynistic assholes and then steals all their money. Oh, and she makes the guy who felt her ass swallow his own wedding ring. Back to now... Kind of. Batman is still flying Dick around in his super bat car for two. He tells Dick it's called the Batmobile. Dick's all like that's totally queer. Batman's all shut up. He drives the super bat car into the ocean and it's suddenly a submarine. Did Jerry Anderson design all of Bruce's tech? Anyway, I say back to now, kind of, because apparently time moves differently in different parts of the story. As for Clark Kent, enough time has passed for Dick's picture to be on a milk carton as a missing person. And this was 15 hours ago. Has 15 hours even passed Probably in the not. space of this comic book? Apparently, a lot of time has passed as Dick's abduction is also front page news of the Daily Planet. Clark gets angry. We know this because he burns the paper and his specs with his glowing red eyes of anger. Angry eyes! Angry eyes! Did you pack my angry eyes? Oh, this is where the wheels came off the wagon. The dialogue in the opening of this issue goes back to what you were talking about earlier. It's repetitive and boring. Yeah. Isn't it? This guy going into the, the Black Canary bar says, she better be fine, no less than four times in mm. two word balloons. I'm not sure what to make of this one because it's like... Oh, okay, we get some, we get some actual hard-boiled uh, Frank Miller writing scene setting here, but it's just a bit of a crap one. Yes, yes, it is. It's the Black Canary stuff is apropos of nothing. I'm presuming this is going to play in later, but as of where we're up to reading for this show, it hasn't. Yeah, it's Batman's supposed to be an urban myth, an urban legend now, mm. but he was inspiring people all six over months the ago. Town six months ago. Yeah. yeah, so all right, that's fair enough. And she's already in a costume. And is she's she, already she in a costume. And it, the bus called Black Canary. Yeah. So I didn't get that. Is she the Black Canary? Or, or is, is she, she one in a long line of, of Black Canaries who've worked in this bar? Or is it like a like a kind of like um. Does she wear that? Is that a uniform? Is that like a Hooters uniform? Yeah. So does that mean she's the only girl who works in the bar? Are there multiple Black Canaries? Yeah. You think? It could be anything. It could be anything. Because she's not the owner of it. We see the owner of it later. She grabs the owner by the balls and chucks him out of a window. Yeah. So we see the owner later on, yeah. So... Okay, uh, yeah, all of these are valid questions. I'm also not sure what I, I, th- I think of it being Green Arrow, who's married and she beats up and... Is it? Yeah, look at his facial, though. Let me go back. It's, me... He's, he's on, he's from the first page. But he's there. Oh, right, so on, it is. Yeah. So that's Oliver Queen. That, it's, it's... It bears a startling resemblance to Oliver Queen, I'll give you that. And yeah. it's in a Black Canary scene, so... yeah. And there's, there's obviously a Wolverine-type character here as well. Is he not the little midget dude in uh, the Bwahaha Justice League? It does look like Oberon. Yeah. You're absolutely <laughs> right. So that looks like Oberon. Um, so she, she beats up Oberon and Green Arrow. And Green Arrow. I've seen. Yeah. Uh, I didn't really know what to make of this opening. Uh, my favourite bit, no offence to our lovely Irish listeners, hi Dave Walker, my favourite part in this, what part of Ireland are you from? <laughs> Because if we know anything about the island, about Ireland, sorry, if we know anything about Ireland, the island, it's that the <laughs> Irish can back. drink. Yeah, yeah. Cliche. <laughs> oh, Dave, write in and tell us if this is uh, indicative of real Irish bars. It's, it's like a hard-boiled crown noir thing. It's got to be an Irish yeah. bar. And, and then we get a period joke. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> God damn. Oh. 
Oh, dear me. How many times do we repeat the line, are you from Tennessee? Because you're the only you're ten, the ten I see. Oh, cheap pickup line. Then we get the implication that uh, Green Arrow and let's call him Black Lightning are going <laughs> to Eiffel Tower Black Canary. Yeah, and it's the, the, the suggesting here that they're going to gang rape her. And they call her Love Chunks, Hot Mama, Sexy Baby, Barbie Baby, Sweet Cheeks. What? I honestly did not know what to make about that. I mean, the Black Canary stuff has, rightly, yeah. come under a lot of criticism for being sexist and misogynistic. I actually thought it was supposed to be. Yeah. I actually thought that was the point of it. This is a woman on the edge... And she's as mad as hell, and she's not going to take it anymore. It's a bit over the top. It is. But it's it's Frank Miller. And it gives Jim Lee the opportunity to draw some nice high kicks. Yeah, and a, a nice woman in fishnets and stockings. And, like, four splash pages in five pages. No, what should we do this? All right. All right one. one splash page. Two splash page. A double page spread. Another splash page. Another splash page, and another splash page, and you're just halfway through the comic. Yeah. So that's pretty much all the first half of this is, isn't it? Mm-hmm. All right, okay. Uh, we finally remember this is a Batman comic and not Sin City. With two splash pages. With two splash pages, and then a double page spread. Yeah. And basically this does not further the story in any way, we're just reminded that Dick is 12. Again. Yeah. For like the eighth time in three issues. Yep. <laughs> and all I really have to say about that, and then we get the end of the comic, which is Dick's on a milk carton mm-hmm. after 15 hours of being missing. Even though he, he, his parents weren't dead 15 hours ago. Yeah, and it's not a milk carton that has just been delivered yeah. to the front of Clark's apartment. It's in his fridge! Mm-hmm. How long has it been in his fridge? <laughs> and then, to imply that this is a recent development we get the Daily Planet. So presumably this is the next edition of the Daily Planet. Maybe the next morning. Yeah. That doesn't jibe with anything we've seen in the Batman stuff, where it's still night. Yeah. But okay. Uh, talking about Batman kidnapping Dick Grayson. How long does it normally take for people to get on milk cartons? Isn't it? Well, it's 48 hours for it to be missing person. So should we call it three days? <laughs> this is... What the hell happened here? That, and yeah, and that last panel as well where Superman's all angry and says, Damn! You know, well, that's all Superman says! It is, because in the next issue that's he's all just running around like, Damn! Damn! <laughs> it's like Superman's a, a, a white actor in a black exploitation movie. Damn! Yeah, it's like, you, you know all these people we get white characters played by black actors. This is the reverse. It's Superman playing Shaft. Damn! Yeah. <laughs> That's Superman's new catchphrase. <laughs> damn! That's all he says. Hot damn, she's actually quite a nice lady. Hey, are you from Tennessee? <laughs> I can just see Clark saying that. Yeah, I can, yeah. I'm totally down with that. Um, My name's Superman and I love being a sperm bank. Damn! <laughs> That's the next issue. We've not got that yet. I am genuinely at a loss. <laughs> the Batman and Robin stuff in this issue takes up four pages. Four Pages and they are all splash pages. Superman's in this more than Batman is. Well, Clark Kent's in it more than Batman is, yeah. yeah. Superman's not in it at all, but I take your point. Um, the Black Canary stuff takes up more than half the issue. Yeah, I didn't give a damn about it. 
It was fun in that crap kind of way. In that crap kind of way. It's it's like Frank thought he was writing Sin City and then suddenly remembered that he wasn't. Yeah. And then thought, oh crap, yeah, I better put Batman and Robin in this. <laughs> oh, and I'll put Superman in at the end just for keep people happy. Like he got carried away. Yeah. And the timeline makes absolutely no sense. <laughs> yeah. It's laughable just thinking about it. Dick's disappearance is on the front page of the newspaper, but it's also on the milk carton within 15 hours. But he's still in the Batmobile with Bruce, and he's still wearing his acrobat outfit. So yeah. it's not like he's gone anywhere else yet. So have they just floated around for 15 hours? Yeah, waiting for the, the wanted level <laughs> waiting, to go down. Yeah, waiting for the milk carton to be published. <laughs> yeah. This was all an elaborate ruse set up by Batman. Uh, that would not it's surprise all, it's me. All done on it's purpose. all a plan. Yeah, yeah. Because if he's got a plan, he's alright. <laughs> I can only assume that Clark's fridge is a TARDIS. <laughs> That's my Either that, or he went around the world backwards so fast that it forwards in time. Yeah. <laughs> um, was Frank Miller aware of what he was writing? Was the editor asleep? Either that or it's like, oh yeah, Frank, this is some great stuff, Frank. Yeah, we love your big name, Frank. This is going to bring in the big books, Frank. This is irrelevant. Yeah. You can skip this issue and it doesn't matter. Yeah. You can go straight to issue four and it makes no difference whatsoever, mm-hmm. does it? No. <laughs> even I can't defend <laughs> that one as satire. Yeah. Because uh, yeah. I don't even know what the hell it is. <laughs> I mean, it purports to be a comic book. Yeah, maybe someone can defend this as a piece of modern art. Oh, please, somebody write in and defend this. (laughs) I mean, we're doing our best, but it's not making it easy for us. The more we do it, the harder it is. The more we do it, the more we're going, but wait a minute. And what's what's with all these just splash pages of nothing? Splash page of the close-up of the R on Robin's chest when he's not Robin yet. And then the next one's Superman. Close-up of the Superman chest emblem. And then we get the Bat emblem on fire. We're on page four, and it's the Bat emblem on fire. I don't know. I really don't know. Uh, issue four's Jim Lee cover as well. Did you have anything to say about issue three? I, don't know. I keep doing that. I'm, I'm just sat there looking at your face, going, "You really don't know what to say about this." Instead of talking about this issue, we should have just like taken pictures of ourselves <laughs> with our jaws open, <laughs> yeah. going, "What the hell?" <laughs> oh, all right. Issue four. I hope you appreciate this lovely lesson. <laughs> this is what we're, we're, what we're doing for you. Yeah, we're doing this for you. We're suffering for, for your <laughs> entertainment. I didn't want to suffer. I wanted to see something in it that people didn't. Yeah. I wanted to love it. I wanted to go, no, you're all wrong. Yeah. It's actually genius. <laughs> and I'm still not convinced that it's not. <laughs> it because could there's, be. a, there's a fine line <laughs> between genius and madness. The line's getting thinner the more we read it, though. Indeed it is, yes. Jim Lee's cover for issue four is the Batman posing in the Batcave. Dick, still in his acrobat outfit, leans against the Batmobile looking a tad scared. Alfred stands looking all butler-like. The Miller cover has Superman striding through the sewers, I think, with the angry red eyes of evil glowing. The use of black on Superman's costume is nice, but that's pretty much the only nice thing I have to say about the Miller cover. Yeah, it's as good as Miller's Superman gets. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's alright, I suppose. No more than Not less. the worst. It's 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 close, <laughs> but you're right, it is not the worst, which is saying something. Batman and Dick finally, after 15 hours, <laughs> arrive at the Batcave, but Batman is pissed off even more than usual when Dick isn't terribly impressed. 
Alfred calls from the hospital after 15 hours to tell him about Vicky and Batman says call Clark Kent in Metropolis and ask Superman to bring over a surgeon from Paris. Batman gloats that he's worked out who Superman really is. Batman then leaves Dick to fend for himself while he goes and punches some bent coppers and asks about Joker. He returns to the cave to see Alfred has fed the kid and Batman's pissed off about that as well. It's a whole lot of being pissed off as Batman storms off in a strop. That's all this issue is. That's, that's it. It's it, I, oh, it's great because Batman never grew up. Oh, what do you think of this? How cruel is this? Oh, it's, it's a bit lame, I don't know. Well, you know what? You can go eat the rats then, Sodja. Batman has arrested adolescence. <laughs> yeah, this yeah. is what this is. You are absolutely right. Uh, the opening with Vicky in the ER is quite confusing. Lots of doctors stand around speaking typical ER type dialogue. <laughs> Although we don't actually see anyone. It's all yeah. Vicky going, close to Vicky's nostrils for the most part. She convulses like she's been shocked by a defibrillator, but we don't see any paddles. Is it just her going through cardiac arrest? Right? Oh, it may be. And then she flatlines. So I presume she's dead. Batman killed Vicky Vale. Batman killed Vicky Vale, yeah. Yeah. Let that sink in. Yeah. And he's burned a couple of cops alive while you laughed at it. So. <laughs> <laughs> you laughed just like that. <laughs> that was Batman. Decide what I make of this. <laughs> oh, God damn it. Uh, when the Batmobile is floating underwater and going to the cave, I like that there's a boot floating in the water. Yeah. I don't know why. It's the like Jokers that. from Endgame. It is. Maybe it's an in joke for something that I, I just don't know. Oh, get. there's been so many of them. Put the car in the corner of Adams and O'Neill and da 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 da. Yeah, there's Batman. been a few references to writers and artists. So it may, there, may be, there, there may be a reason for the boot being there, I don't know. Um. Batman smiles and says, you don't know anything. You know nothing, Dick Grayson. <laughs> Would have been funny if he said that. Uh, Batman reiterates that he has been watching Grayson for months and tells us again that Dick is 12. I'd yeah. forgotten. Because <laughs> you know it takes me so long to read these issues. Well, yeah. That I'd completely forgotten how old Dick Grayson Well, considering when they came out. Yeah, well, there is that. Yeah, maybe that's what it is. Yeah. He's terrified that you've forgotten it in the <laughs> six months since the last issue it, came it out. It would have been funnier if, if like, one of the next issues like, ah, oh, Dick Grayson's 13. Yeah. There it is. There's my note, though. Um, Bruce has been waiting to adopt Dick or yeah. to bring him into the fold I've got my note there it would have, I wouldn't put it past Miller to establish Bruce arranged the death <laughs> <laughs> is it sad that we both went there <laughs> or is it sad that we both thought that that would be an acceptable Frank Miller I, twist I think yeah the latter <laughs> uh, Dick mentions that it feels like days they've been wandering around in the bat sub supercar which you know at least attempts to address the time disparity but what the hell have they been doing for days what have, what have they been up to? Just flying around. It's it's is Gotham City days away from the Batcave? <laughs> is that what we're trying to establish? It could be. I don't know. Anywhere you slice this, this makes no sense. The more you think about it, the less sense it makes. Yeah, it's not a comic book that bears any kind of scrutiny. Uh, there is a six-page fold-out of the Batcave that, if I remember correctly, attracted a lot of attention. Is that right? Yeah, this was big stuff when it came out yeah it's pretty but it's no better than any other number of Batcave cross sections over the years uh, it did, is, it's not all that great it's, it's just not no the, the Roman armor takes yeah, up well, more and samurai outfit oh yeah yeah them he's, too. Got, he's got Roman gladiator outfit and samurai what's, what's all that about yeah. has he not killed off any partners yet so he, <laughs> he can't keep their costume he's, he's only gone through the one costume himself yeah and he's, he's, he's still in the process of building the dinosaur 
Yeah, he's not got a giant penny. He's not got the giant penny because presumably he's not met Two Face yet. But, but he's got plenty of Batmobiles and yeah. gyro. Well, I, I was reading this to you, when I was reading this, and you were just sat there, and I said to you, "If this is a Batman early in his career, why does he have lots of older model Batmobiles?" He's gone through one every every month. He's gone through one a months. day. Yeah. While he's been around inspiring Black Canary to kick people in the face. Yeah. Excellent. Good. That bad jet was the one. Uh, I'm pretty sure it's the one Jim Lee drew in Hush. Yeah, maybe. And we've got the little back glider though. Yeah, and the the back couple of back copters. This would work even better if there were actual Batman Easter eggs in it and not just armour. Yeah. It's it's alright, isn't it? Yeah. It it would inspire Brian Hitch to do better in the Ultimates too. Yeah, and I think Brian Hitch's was actually related to the story though. It was. Fair play. Um the scene. You've gotta love <laughs> this scene is brilliant. Would would Batman shows Dick the cave and Dick's just stupefied and Batman's pretty cool huh? <laughs> and Dick's just uh, speechless it's like Batman's mentally younger than yeah. Dick Grayson. and then you've got Bruce saying what do you say Junior is this cool or what and Dick's all I guess it's okay I mean I've seen better I guess this is okay and then you've got internal monologue of Bruce going I don't like this kid not one bit <laughs> yeah See, this could be genius if it was Frank Miller taking the piss through Dick of what people think his Batman is like through Batman. Yeah, well, this has to be deliberately a joke. (laughs) It has to be. I cannot for one second believe anybody in the making of this comic book took this scene seriously. As a joke, this scene works. Yeah. As a joke, it's funny. Yeah. I mean, if you substitute Dick for a Doctor Who companion and substitute Batman for David Tennant and play those lines, it's a very funny scene. Yeah. You bring them in the TARDIS, they see it's bigger on the inside, and then they go, all right, I've seen better. David Tennant would look at them and go, I really don't like you. (laughs) And it would work. No, that's not how they react. It would be a funny bit. Yeah. So it has to be a joke. It... Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't it? It does, or at least we're hoping. Is that what it is? <laughs> you know what? Should, should, we, should we ask Frank Miller himself? Go Dear go, Frank... Tick, tick to Twitter. Is All-Star Batman and Robin a satire that has gone over everybody's heads, or is it really just <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Did, did Jim Lee find the early drafts of Holy Terror and illustrate them? <laughs> Uh, Jim Lee's second full-page splash of the Batcave is actually better than his first one. It is. That is better than the six-page fold-out. Yeah. So, I don't have much to say about it. It's a looking-down angle. Camera's, like, on the top. It's nice. Oh, now the, the Batmobile's an actual Batmobile and not a Bat-submarine. Apparently so. Or a Bat-jet. Yeah. It's got all of its pieces back. Yeah. When did that happen? In between panels. Ah, uh, obviously, yeah. In between that six-panel spread. Yeah. Okay. Bruce is maniacal. That he knows who Superman is. <laughs> Get that clown in Metropolis. Call Kent at the Daily Planet. Or tell him Batman considers us a personal favour. And Dick says, what clown in Metropolis? Never mind. He's nobody important. That's right, Kent. You're busted. I know who you are. And you've no damn idea who I am. I'm a detective. I'm not mightier than the pounding surf. I can't leap tall buildings with a single bound. But I'm smart. Hell of a lot smarter than you'll ever be. And it's just like the whining of a petulant child. <laughs> isn't it? And then you've got Superman running across the water going, Damn! Again! <laughs> yeah. Why is he not flying? Yeah, yeah. 
This is this is Superman's turn to, to have the piss taken out of him. <laughs> oh dear God! Because you know how there's a thing where you can always tell what side writers come down on Batman yeah. or Superman. Yeah. This is this is that. Uh, well, I Frank, think Frank we knew Miller, from Frank Miller dislikes both. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know you were going to go. That. <laughs> yeah. Well, fair play. Yeah. Um, and then he just leaves Dick in the Batcave to fend for himself the implication later the implication here he's supposed to eat rats that's the revenge for him not liking the Batcave <laughs> yeah if you want to eat you can catch a rat yeah if I was Dick I'd be like I am not sticking with you yeah well, he doesn't have to put up with this no he I mean, report at, him yeah at this point there isn't really much of an alternative well, there is when Alfred shows up. He can say to Alfred, take me away from this nutter. <laughs> yeah, but even Alfred's like, oh, that beautiful black angel. Yeah, Alfred, I think Alfred's <laughs> mad as hell as well. Um, so Batman leaves. Um, we then see Superman bringing back the guy from Paris, running across the water again instead of flying. Yeah. And once again saying, damn! Yeah. <sighs> and, and Batman punches people because suddenly four issues in we're suddenly back to the yeah, story that we're back to the actual decision. plot from issue yeah, number yeah. one which is finding out who killed the Grayson. yeah finally we have a yeah. plot again so find I wouldn't say we have a plot yeah. we have the beginnings of a plot yeah it's like Miller lost the plot then a few issues down he could see it over there <laughs> and thought oh yeah maybe I better get back to that <laughs> yeah. maybe I better start making this story make any kind of sense <laughs> Or maybe the editor actually did his job at the end of this issue and said, you know, Frank, maybe we better get on with the story. <laughs> oh, dear me. Um, Alfred's left Vicky in the hospital. Apparently some time has passed now because Alfred has brought Dick a cheeseburger and fries and also mentions that Bruce lived in the kale for a while and ate rats. Yeah. Do you know, for all our piss takery about this one, it's a better issue than the last one. It is. If you read it as a comedy. Yeah. If you read this as a piss take... Yeah. It's actually got some very funny moments. Batman lived off the cave and fed off rats. His petulance at Dick not being impressed by the cave. His general demeanour are humorous, if that's what you want to read into this. Mm. Taken seriously, it's a mess. Yeah, it Batman is. Batman is a psycho. There's no other word for it. Yeah. He's a psychopath. And, but he's... We've laughed at this, like, way more than we should have done. Yeah, well, because as, so you don't cry. As poorly written as Batman is, he's fun. <laughs> Let's be honest. If you, if you, Isn't it pretty cool, huh, Kim? Yeah, you're reading the Batman who's setting cops on fire and running them over. <laughs> Why do he laugh? And killing Vicky Vale and laughing at them. And then gloating about how much smarter than this, Superman he this is. This Batman's funner than, than any others, yeah. I'd, I'd watch an animated series about this guy. This, you know what? Let's why, why? Let's see. Um, <clears throat> what's his face? Ben Affleck plays play this guy. Batman, yeah. <laughs> Suddenly, Batman versus Superman's going to be a whole lot more yeah, fun. Yeah. Ben Affleck playing this version of Batman, and Henry Cavill's dialogue consists of "Damn." <laughs> yeah. Wonder Woman. Oh god, we've not even got to Wonder Woman yet. <laughs> but we are about to. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, the Lee cover for issue five is Batman, his gloves torn and covered in blood, coming at us as if we are the target of his ire. The Miller cover is a close-up of Wonder Woman's arse. It's not even a good ass. <laughs> That's not worth a close-up. Feminism. Yay! It's it's a square with stars on it. Oh, well done, Frank. <laughs> that's, that's absolutely masterful. Uh, anyway, uh, the plots of this one. Do you like the covers? Yes. <laughs> they are, well, they are, yeah. uh, Wonder Woman strides through Metropolis to meet Superman, Green Lantern and Plastic Man to discuss taking Batman out. Wonder Woman wants to cut off his head and put it on a spike. Superman as she get into it and then kiss because that's how all functional relationships work. Wonder Woman storms off telling them she hates them all. Batman runs over the rooftops of Gotham laughing like a loon. He cripples some rapists and revels in being the goddamn Batman. Back at the manor, Alfred is punching a bag and pondering the death of the Waynes and if Batman has finally snapped. In the cave, Dick is rummaging around in the armory, unwatched, and starts playing with an axe. <laughs> <laughs> What else happened? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, this is five hours ago for those keeping track of the timeline. So this is this is ten hours. So five hours from what point exactly? Yeah. I don't know. But this is five hours ago. Okay. Make of that what you will. Yeah. <laughs> it's like he threw a dart <laughs> at time at a clock. I went, alright, this bit can take place five hours ago. For all the flack we've given a Final Crisis, if you cut this up, throw it into the air, it'll make more sense. <laughs> is, is this five hours ago after the 15 hours ago? I, or is it five hours within that 15 hours? I, I don't know. <laughs> Stop asking me questions about linear narrative were not apply. Yeah. I thought you were non-linear boy. This, this isn't even non-linear. <laughs> You're non-linear by when it's written by a guy who understands how to make non-linear yeah. storytelling work. I, I like it when non-linear stories are written by someone who can read a clock. <laughs> or written by somebody who can write. <laughs> That'll do. Yeah. Uh, the splash page is this wonderful. <laughs> Wonder Woman calls a guy she's walking past a sperm bank. <laughs> internet was in uproar over this. She was described right. as being a man-hater due to this internal monologue that she has where she basically just says, I hate men. Yeah. So it's a fur reading of the scene, <laughs> yeah. to be fair. Um, Miller, yeah, the line, men, they can't get anything right. Again, if you read that as comedy, yeah. it's funny. And her reaction to men throughout this entire opening sequence is, as we've already mentioned, so wonderfully over the top Red is a comedy mm -hmm. there's fun to be had here yeah if you're taking this seriously I think that's where you run into problems <laughs> quite frankly because no one else is taking this seriously no although personally I quite like a Wonder Woman like this she's like, over the top yeah but if you're going to go for the whole if you're going to do warrior woman yeah on an island raised completely of women and you add Frank Miller to the equation. This makes <laughs> I think that last bit yeah. is the important point. <laughs> it's, it's like a chemistry lesson. Here we have a, a slice of feminism, <laughs> a slice of worrying. Bugger, I dropped in the Miller. <laughs> dropped it in some Frank Miller. In oh, hell. <laughs> What's going to happen now? Oh, oh, 
Oh dear. <laughs> um, we've already met Superman in a couple of superficial scenes. He and Miller introduces Plastic Man. Yeah, that was an odd choice. But, um, yeah. Indeed. Green Lantern and Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman's always angry. Plastic Man just wants Wonder Woman to punish him. And Green Lantern talks in exposition. Yeah. Come on, just this Green Lantern, this opening line from Green Lantern. Okay, so it looks bad, but we've got no proof he actually kidnapped the kid. All we've seen is a news photo of him tossing the young fellow into his car. Maybe he's just watching out for him. Sure, he plays it rough, he's got no respect for the law, and yeah, maybe he's a little unhinged, but that's no reason to run off half-cocked. I say we find him, try and talk some sense into him, and then we take a vote. Plas? And you're like, that's like lethal weapon. What was the lethal weapon spoof? Loaded weapon. Right, okay. It's like, sure, you've no respect for the law and you hate your commanding officer and you're a loner, but damn it, you get the job done! So, Green Lantern's wooded. Wooden. Yes, ironically. Yeah, uh, Superman's pretty much cuckolded. Yes. And, and, yes, and yes. Plastic Man's Eddie Murphy. Why is Superman just stood the bending steel with his bow? Oh, look at that strong guy. Is that he's just showing off? Yeah, yeah. Look what I can do. He's showing off to Wonder Woman. Oh, is that what it is? If I bend her hard enough, she'll kiss me twice. <laughs> Jeez. Well, why, why are the Justice League... Meeting in a dingy sewer in Metropolis. <laughs> no conference room was available for booking, was it now? They don't have a satellite. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure Hal Jordan or Clark could have booked a conference room in a nice hotel with finger sandwiches. But <laughs> <laughs> no, let's meet in a sewer. <laughs> um, I'd... I'd I'm going into this, and I'm willing to give Miller the benefit of the doubt with the opening scene. However, Wonder Woman tells the others that she wants to find Batman, yeah. cut off his head, yeah. and present it to the authorities as an announcement that they take care of their own. She condescends to Green Lantern, who she thinks useful only to take her coat. Because mm-hmm. she has to take my coat. Yeah, and he does it. And he does, yeah. She calls Superman a bastard yeah. and spits on him. Yeah. And Superman's petulant and childlike as well. After fighting briefly, Superman and Wonder Woman then lock lips like all she really needs is a man to take her in hand. <laughs> and the captions make it clear that no, they're not the Justice League yet. That's, that's fair enough. But it's hard to believe that this bunch of jerks, dysfunctional jerks at that, will ever become the League of Old. It yeah. very much felt like he wanted to play with the whole dysfunctional dynamic of the Avengers, or the Fantastic Four in early Marvel comics, but this is just mean-spirited. I'm yeah. like, uh, got that right between the legs, huh, Kent? <laughs> so Plastic Man knows that he's Clark Kent. Yeah. Evidently. So... I say we hunt down this Batman like a rabid dog. We kill him, we chop off his head and plant it on a stake and present it to your authorities. A gift from the Justice League. We police our own. (coughs) None of you are man enough. I'll dispatch the psychopath myself. Yeah. Maybe Superman just likes a dominant woman. Well, you know, there's a dominant woman... And there's somebody who wants to cut somebody's head off publicly. <laughs> you know, in modern day parlance, we call that terrorism. <laughs> Kent? Freedom fighter. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, and this isn't my favourite bit. My, my favourite bit is Batman. 
running through Gotham, <laughs> laughing maniacally as he does so. Yeah. And then his caption is, I love being the goddamn Batman. <laughs> that has got to be a response to the internet furore over the goddamn Batman line. Yeah. It has to be. And I, I personally, I think Jim Lee's art in this is great because I just... Every single shot of Batman laughing or smiling is great. I'd, I'd have one of those frames hung, framed <laughs> on my wall. Do you not also think it's uh, it's two fingers to all the people who've written in over the past 20, 10, 15, 20 years or so and said, why doesn't Batman smile occasionally? Yeah, yeah. So how Nightfall was why doesn't Batman kill, this is why doesn't Batman smile. <laughs> this is why he doesn't smile. <laughs> yeah. You know, he then he finds some muggers after three splash pages. It's nice, but nice, yeah. but pointless. And um, what he says is, he's I'll laughing at them. The laugh that always works. <laughs> and then he goes <laughs> as he leaps into the fray. Wasn't that more the creeper shtick? Yeah. Wasn't that more what the creeper did? Yeah. It's and the people are like, no, not him. This, this, you know. <laughs> You know, you know Limmy's show? Yeah. There's a sketch where all you have to do to get anything you want is to smile. And essentially, he's this really creepy guy, and he's like, can I have a lick of your ice cream? No. So he does a really creepy smile, and then he gives him the whole ice cream. And it's just things like that. This is that, taken to the nth level. <laughs> you want so cre- what you're saying is Batman is a Scottish comedian? <laughs> it's, it's as good as an argument as any to defend this. It is, yeah. Um... Batman describing what he's just done to the rapist is funny. Tad sadistic, but, but for why can't I feel my hand? It's called a compound fracture, rapist. It'll never heal. Not right. Not nearly right. Never. You'll remember me every time the air goes wet and cold. Arthritis, punk. It'll hurt like hell. <laughs> <laughs> and then the, the woman he saves goes over and kicks the guy. The woman he serves starts smiling as Batman's kicking the crap out of him. And she walks over to him and kicks him in the balls. Yeah. And then she's and then she's like, oh, I love you, Batman. Yeah. She practically <laughs> throws herself at him. Batman's great. Um, Go, girl. <clears throat> for, for kicking the guy. Yeah, and I love him. Don't call an ambulance. These creeps will survive. But I want them to suffer pain that'll last a lifetime. Yes, sir. <laughs> yeah, she yeah. says, yes, sir. Thank you. I love you. <laughs> Nobody loves anyone in this town. <laughs> we just survive. <laughs> he actually says that. Yeah, everyone in this city is is mental. Yeah. <laughs> we see Metropolis as well, just everyone <laughs> in this world is messed up. Oh, dear me. I mean, this, the, the monologues are just brilliant. The wind goes berserk. Electricity tingles my skin and rattles my whiskers. Another storm. Cool. <laughs> A perfect night. A hunter's night. Which he says three times. He says that three times because it's sensitive. Yeah, it's is what it is. Um, <clears throat> to be fair, right. let's give it credit where it's due. There are character beats and scenes that are in this comic that DC have adapted and ran with. Okay. Later on, the Warrior Wonder Woman of the New Fifty Two, and yep. the version that Gal Gadot is that how you pronounce her name? Yeah. Seems to be playing in the upcoming Batman v Superman. That's this. Yeah. Hopefully not this extreme. Oh, I don't know. It would be much more interesting. It probably would be funny. It'll win me over, it, finally. We'd be, we'd be chuckling away yeah, yeah. watching it. Um, 
this isn't the sweet pacifist of the Linda Carter TV show. This is the Amazon warrior of George Perez's run, if she was in 300. Yeah. And played by Lena Headey. Yeah. That's pretty much what that is. Um, likewise, the dynamic between the League, the Superman-Wonder Woman relationship... That's all, right. all in here. Yeah. The distrust of Batman and vice versa. Yeah, the Superman Wonder Woman was Kingdom Come. Yeah, no. yeah, yeah. All right. Okay, I'll give you that. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. all right. Okay, fair enough. Alfred as younger, more dynamic SAS agent. That's uh, gone into Gotham. The Jeff and the Jeff Johns uh, Earth one. But even in this, yeah. even Alfred's a bit unhinged. Yeah. Where he refers to him as uh, his lovely angel. Yeah. I pray my master has not gone mad. I saw him become a demon. And it is hubris he's chosen a protege, an innocent young boy. I pray the child will survive this. Yeah, he's he's not thinking, you know, I might I, I should probably give him to a social services. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly right. He's not up here going through his guilt at leaving the kid in the cave. Yeah, yeah. Or saying, mm, yeah, maybe I should have found childcare. He's just up here going, I hope this one survives. <laughs> <laughs> Implying that there's dead kids down <laughs> yeah. in the back cave. Bloody hell, I don't, I don't want to bury another Jason Todd. Oh, and then, yeah, and then Dick finds the armory. Yeah. So Alfred's just left him to wander around in the Batcave. I mean, at least he's given him a pair of pyjamas. Yeah. Which is nice of him. But he's let him sleep in the cave. He's not brought him up to no, the rest of it. And put him in a nice warm bed. Yeah, yeah. Da- Damien gets to sleep in the house, but <laughs> Dick gets shoved in the cave. <laughs> um, more of the same. Oh, there we go. Cool. As Dick lifts a, a big um, axe, yeah, in the final page, and it's to be continued. Uh, if you like the DC universe of old, this will be a considerable shock to you. <laughs> I think it's fair to say. If you think old costumed heroes are actually nutters, as bad or as insane as the villains they hunt, this will be right up your alley. Yeah, I think this will be perfect. Yeah, there's a part of me that wonders what the hell DC were thinking in letting this be published. <laughs> But it's fun to laugh at. <laughs> it's nothing else. It's, you know. Um, so far, very little has actually happened. Yeah. And what has happened is a confused mess. <laughs> this isn't a story. It's a series of set pieces with no discernible plot. Let's hope it picks up next week, should we? Uh-huh. As we, uh, next week, we're looking at issues six through, through the rest of the series. That'll be fun. Yeah. <laughs> oh, honestly, I don't know what's happened. <laughs> Why? Yeah. Anyway, thank you for joining. If you stuck through that, well done. <laughs> and I hope you'll come back next week. I'm hoping that it picks up and it suddenly makes sense. Yeah, yeah. And becomes brilliant, masterful storytelling. If there's that ah moment. Yeah. Yeah. I, I very much believe that will happen. <laughs> See you next week. Bye bye. Good luck. <laughs> is a The Devil Will Find Work for Idle Hands to Do production. 
The music and sound clips used in the show are copyright their respective copyright holders and are used for review and illustrative purposes only. And no infringement is intended, so don't send your phalanx of highly paid lawyers after us as we have no money. Certainly this show was not turned into a lucrative revenue stream as no money is made from this either, which vexes us. The opinions of Michael and Andrew expressed in the show are the opinions of Michael and Andrew and no one else. They own them, cherish them and look after them, but are probably not to be taken too seriously. New episodes drop every Thursday at twotruefreaks.com and we can be emailed directly at heykidscomics at virginmedia.com. We can also be friended on Facebook by using Hey Kids, all one word as the first name, and Comics as the surname. We do hope you enjoyed this episode of Hey Kids Comics.